Hello, everyone. I am uh, Claudio Mugan, the host of the Spiritual Inspire podcast, and uh, my guest uh, today is the renowned Kimba Arem. Kimba is an international recording artist and engineer, molecular biologist, classically trained musician since, since age seven, and professional performer, subtle energy and music therapist, and a full time spiritual seeker. While attending graduate school, studying Taoist Chinese acupuncture and herbs, she was introduced to the ancient idea of using sound as medicine. Kimba has actively studied and been involved in shamanic practices from around the world since 1992. She is the president of Radiance Health, an integral health clinic in Colorado, she co-founded. She also composes and engineers uh, music for film, produces CDs, teaches workshops, and holds private sound therapy sessions. Kimba is the co-producer and creator of musical score for the movie Secret of Water. Her other achievements are too many to mention here, so I encourage you to uh, go and visit her uh, website. Kimba, thank you very much for uh, joining me today. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. I, I would like to start with your latest achievement, which is the launch of the 10 uh, series episode on uh, Gaia called uh, Sound of Creation. So let's unpack this uh, project. So what made you think uh, about such project? How long it took to uh, finish it? And did you travel to any special location? Oh, well, that's a, that's a really vast topic. Um, it is really, it's one of those things that um, if, you, if you follow spirit, which is what my near-death experience uh, taught me how to do or forced me <laughs> to learn is, you know, the mind has ideas when you're young of what you're going to do with your life. And as you grow up, you have various influences that um, affect the choice of your direction. And um, I had this wake up call that would be, I was not going in the direction that really was my higher purpose or my dharma, my heart, my soul calling, whatever you want to name that. It's, uh, it's something we incarnated that we chose to do before we came into this plane of existence. And so that was like a corrective shock of getting me in the right direction. But I, I did not know um, really now, and if I'm not going to medical school and I'm just about to graduate, uh, with all this preparation, what now? And so I got on this path of just like myself to receive higher guidance because that's what what this experience opened me to be able to do. And so since that time in 1992, it's been a very um, long and winding road. You know, as the Beatles say, it's it's a meandering path because you know the mind has an idea, but the heart has and your gut knows something else, and then there's your higher self or your angels and your guides that work with you. And so I would say Sound of Creation, this recent project is kind of like a, it's like a flowering of all of these years of putting together, I call it following the breadcrumbs of spirit, you know, guided here and there and meet these people and end up here. And it's just very, it's complex to describe all the pieces that went into it because like, like all of us, our life is just, <laughs> there's so many things that happened in a day in a year in a month in a lifetime. And um, 
so to me, this project just, it was very organic how um, this was the time for it to be birthed. And the position I'm in, in my partnership where I live, the people that I'm connected to at this point, um, they, it all just, it, it almost was kind of magical. It, it, all the pieces just fell into place. And so I've been working with Gaia because of, you know, for many years, um, I've been with them from the beginning of their inception. And um, they, you know, they hadn't really done a series on sound and there's so much interest growing uh, every year in people's interest in sound. And I believe this is um, going to only increase as we go into the new, the new age. We are in the age of Aquarius, uh, according to the astrologers, and it's just a totally different frequency. And it's also very much more, um, I think, aligned with the understanding of vibration and subtle energies as being fundamental to creation, to the, where energy first, matter second, as above, so below. And so when you start working with sound, you are actually working with the matrix underlying creation, the original formative matrix, sound, subtle energies, including consciousness is a vibration, um, our, um, our words, of course, can carry power if we use them with intention and coherence. Um, <clears throat> I have a whole thing on the power of the word and how we might be um, misusing that power and or giving away that power by not infusing the language that we use when we communicate with in, in integrity, coherence and alignment with what we're thinking with what's the highest good for all. And then we, we can use the power of the word to create. That's how all the religions, all the spiritual traditions say the world was created through through the word, through the sound, through the primordial vibration underlying all things. And we have the potential as humans to step into that power. Um, so that's a very long answer to your question, but that's kind of the, the meta um, intention underlying sound of creation is, is what you know my heart's calling, my path as a musician, but also all the different aspects of sharing sound that I've been including language, you know, the voice and communication and I'm a Gemini, right? So that's part imprint, but um, that's what I would like to see brought back into the consciousness of the collective, how powerful we are as creators, how sometimes less is more. Sometimes the, the subtle um, frequencies of sound can have much more of an impact than a lot of other methodologies we're using to affect change or to create in our reality. Yes, it is a fascinating um, subject, uh, sound with uh, along with water. And you mentioned that uh, we give away our power through words and to uh, extrapolate that to the material world and the uh, world outside of the spiritual environment is when um, we talk to uh, like official language. We don't know exactly the, the words we, we have to use to interact with, let's say, government or with other type of officials. 
And if you go into the root of these words, you will understand that you are indeed giving away all your power to others and you are under their jurisdiction by using improper words. Right. And that's also coming more into the awareness of the collective of, you know, what it means to have a social security number or um, to be, you know, owned by a corporation, you know, it's all in the fine print. And, mm -hmm. and but the way I see this as it is, we are leaving uh, an, an age, the age of Pisces was very much structured vibrationally and in the, the teaching of that time period, that 5,000 some odd period of time. And now we're in the age of Aquarius, totally different frequency, totally different collective lessons. Um, but the age of Pisces was was very much structured, kind of like the pyramid, you know, there's the, the, the few at the top that rule the many, or the, the doctor, the, the minister, the priest, the uh, the governor, the king, queen, uh, the president, you know, it's, it's, that was the Piscean era um, structure, I guess you could say. And it was perfect, you know, even though it was messy, you know, this life on earth is probably always going to be messy because we're living in these bodies that are decaying, you know, from the time of our birth. It's just a challenging realm of impermanence you know, as a Buddha taught, but the, the new era of the age of Aquarius isn't structured like that. And so what's happening, the image I get as a frequency person, everything I, I think is, and that I feel is in patterns, like fractals, like, like the way sound, you know, creates, if you're familiar with cymatics, I wish we could show some images, but there's cymatics is this, this science of showing how vibration underlies matter. And uh, Hans Yeni and other researchers, Peter Guy Yenny, um, Peter Manners and other people in the field have, um, and we talk about this in the Sound of Creation a lot series, but you know, you take a, a metal plate and you put sand on it or some other vibrating medium and you put a frequency generator to create vibrations and you'll see these patterns very, geometric, complex, you change the frequency, goes into a new pattern, or sometimes it'll look like life forms, like little mollusks or starfish, or, um, you know, depending on the frequency, you'll get a different form. So it's a very simple model showing that, you know, frequency is underlying all of matter and even cell division. They're showing how, you know, when cells, one cell becomes two, the basis of uh, molecular life is, a frequency shift. And so what I think about, I keep getting these images inside of like what the Piscean era frequency or vibration uh, looked like in a way, in, in the pattern of that era. And then the shifting we're in, in cymatics, when you change the frequency, the pattern goes into like chaos. It's, there's no pattern for a little while short while it's almost like when you change the station on a radio and you're you're on a station it's broadcasting you're getting information or music then you change the station and there's static and then you keep changing the knob if in the old time radios for those of us who grew up with those and then you the new station and there's a whole new set of information there and it's just flowing through you're just picking it up through the radio it's, it's in the space but i see that as our as our solar system goes around the great cycle around the center of the milky way 
you know, our galaxy. We're going through different vibrational sectors of space. And that was mapped out as different ages are like, you know, we're in the Aquarian age now. It's a totally different vibration. So when you change patterns, you change frequencies, there's this chaos period. It looks like chaos, but really it's just a reorganization. And then all of a sudden, boom, the new pattern reveals itself. It's more usually more complex if you're going up in frequency. And I feel we've been in this kind of breakdown to breakthrough area. And that's what the astrologers are saying. We're, we're in this major shift of the ages. It was prophesized by the Mayans, the Hopis, all these other long-standing spiritual lineages that map time. And so as we enter the Aquarian age, it's like the, you know, the sand particles on the cymatic pattern, they're all the same particles. They just change their position. It's almost like when you go from winter into spring, which we're probably going like from the Kali Yuga, the winter into the spring of the new era on the Vedic, you know, they map these long cycles. It's like, you know, the compost of that old cycle becomes the new, um, the new cycle. It breaks down. And so what I see is we're going through a breakdown systems, all of them for education, government, you know, money system, um, you know, healthcare system. It's like, oh my God, really needed breakdown, compost, transform, and new ones are already emerging. They have been for some time, but it's really accelerating. We also need to see the breakdown of the, um, the way we exchange information, you know, because there's so much censoring and, you know, it's like that old system of controlling information is being transformed. There's new media channels, new ways of communicating. The Aquarian age is a lot about communication. It's like an air sign also, but it, it's also very much we, the people, the collective mind and technology. And I think, you know, we can go in different timelines for where technology goes and, I think symbiosis with the silicon life rather than the AI, and we all kind of go in a trajectory of a spiritual dead end or something. I don't know what that future is like, that timeline, but you know, I just see that we're in this vibrational shift, and the new era of the age of, of, of Aquarius is us, we the people, collective consciousness creating the world of our dreams of our highest visions and we absolutely have the power to do that the very few at the top of the pyramid of that old system they are totally losing the ability to control in the way they had because the we're in a vibrational era that doesn't support the old model the top-down system of the piscean era it's gone and they're just scrambling because that's all they know and so then we, the people are like, oh my God, it's, what do we do? And it's like, this is what we do. We wake up, we help each other wake up and we lift the vibration through our hearts, through love, through all the personal, our personal passion, finding why you incarnated, which was what happened to me with the corrective shock of the wake up call I got. And, but you don't have to have a near-death experience to get back on track. You know, there's a lot of other ways to really find your 
particular frequency vibration, the note that you came to play in the symphony of creation that only you can play. And you have to, you, your job is to just play your note perfectly. And then we have the symphony of humanity, the symphony of the cosmos, all of us just creating a beautiful world. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I agree that uh, the elites are uh, panicking right now. They are in total disarray and uh, they are desperate to maintain their um, position. It's quite visible. There is no more hiding anymore. Uh, and of course, there are many of us which still don't um, agree or uh, want to acknowledge what's going on. But uh, I think that we might end up with a new pattern uh, that will look like an inverse pyramid. And that will be we, the people on the top, and the very few at the bottom. And that will be great. Or, um, you know, another image I get is, you know, there's the pyramid and then the, the mirror of the pyramid is like a diamond. And, uh, and then also that if you take that pyramid and you like kind of cross them over, you've got, you know, the Merkaba, which is, you know, the heart center, the structure of water, it's the vector equilibrium, um, you know, the most stable structure that is in every, you know, particle of space, if you could call it particles, it's the, you know, the, the central geometry that's underlying everything the center of that is black holes white holes it's what creates and so i think the new age might have more of a balance where you know there's the, the as above so below that's the teaching mm -hmm. of hermes and that whole lineage of the hermetic toth you know that um idea that the higher worlds are mirrored here on in on heaven as it is on earth like um, the original Lord's Prayer that's being remembered in its original form before it kind of lost a lot of meaning through various translations. It all talks about that. The coming of the new earth is, is happening. It's through us. It's through love. It's through us building that and remembering that we have the power to visualize and create and manifest as creators. And I always also thought, I've, I've thought a lot about, I'm not an astrologer, but I love astrology because I see it as a vibrational science, it's, which everything is on some level. If you go to the depths, it's all vibration. But, you know, the planets, the harmony of the spheres and just our local solar system, they're all vibrationally emanating imprints that structure our reality, structure us at birth, structure our world, structure our um, the cycles of time, and there's a science to it. That's what's part of the hermetic teaching. And, you know, it's, I think it's our time to kind of um, re-embrace all of these teachings of how to manifest heaven on earth and do it for, for us to step into our power and to remember that there's really no us and them only in the lower level of consciousness of duality are, is there anyone but us, you know? I think even, you know, as a molecular biologist, when I had my um, near-death awakening, I kind of looked at the world as like the guy hypothesis shows that, you know, the planet is like a fractal of the body 
and that we are like a microcosm of the earth. And I saw all this. And then I saw that other people had seen this and made it into a science. It was an ancient science and now being revised. And that means that everything has its place, including like viruses. You think of a virus as, you know, something that tries to kill you, which, or just make you sick. And, but in the cosmic scheme of Brahma is, is the universal scale of the creation that we're all cells in the body of the creator on a fractal level, on the local level, a virus is here to challenge the system to make it more complex to develop um new abilities for example in the human body the immune system gets developed through uh, getting viruses that's why vaccinations are not ideal for the body when you're growing up because your body's meant to learn to become more intelligent through the challenge of the virus and so as i kind of looked at the planet from this very expanded scale, and it's continued since that time of my near-death awakening, I saw that, you know, what's going on on our planet, the beings that are here, which are likely not from Earth, they're like a virus of the cosmos, or, you know, they came to Earth probably about 5,000 years ago, it's hard to put a timeline on it, but, you know, making the planet sick. But even they have a purpose, like on a local level it's to make us more intelligent and resilient as a species and maybe push us to the next level of our evolution because without the challenge sometimes we get complacent you know humans we we you know and you can't because human lives are not long enough for us to get complacent we will die and then for remember in the after death state oh that's right i was here to spiritually evolve and maybe even in this lifetime attain self-realization but we have an infinite number of chances to come back and try to remember but when we have these challenges it stimulates us to remember that okay we okay we got to work on this because it's not easy and i think the challenge we're facing right now is doing that for people it's it's absolutely a perfect it's like the hero's journey. The hero, you have to overcome the dragon, you know, the lizard, the, the beings that want to kill you because if they weren't there, we would probably just keep reincarnating and forgetting and just having fun on earth, but not really going anywhere, you know? And so there's really no us and them when your consciousness goes to the higher levels or the more expanded levels. I don't know if there's a hierarchy to it. It's more like when you expand your consciousness, however it is, through the psychedelic, through a near-death experience, um, through deep meditation, you start, you see that it's all nested fractal cycles of the same repeating pattern of the one creator that we are. And that to me is the essence of the hermetic teaching, as above, so below. And um, that lineage that I feel I'm a part of and here to be a vo- one of the voices for to uh, remind us, to help us remember that, you know, everything is vibration. Everything is the creator. And we could say the sound of the creation, the, that's the name of the series, because underneath the sound of creation in the Vedic, they call it the Aum or the Om. And basically it's a frequency. 
it's and you can learn to perceive this and we do talk about that in one of the later on in the series around nine episode nine and ten about the very very deep esoteric uh, lineages that um, are were not talked about in the in the ancient times until you got deeper into whatever esoteric lineage you were a part of all of them if you go deep have this teaching of how to start to perceive the sound current or the nod or the shab or there's different names for it from in different cultures and that is the the matrix that we can tap into for our spiritual evolution yes and um, i like your comparison uh, with us becoming uh, complacent it's like you know working on a job for 20 years you don't know um, anything else to do but that particular task and you are not willing to to learn you you kind of lost or diminish your capacity of learning new skills and what we are going through as, as a species i think it's a it's a shock it's a wake-up call for for us or some of us at least to uh, <clears throat> go out there improve uh, ourselves physically spiritually um become a, have a, a better mind and, and soul capacity of, of learning and opening up um and that's very important and uh, i have to admit i am just half through the uh, the series but in episode three i uh, encountered this um, arab proverb you can't look away from the face of god just because god is everywhere and i think that if we consciously assimilate this statement what you just said about you know um, consciousness expanding consciousness understanding that there is no separation it will come much much easier to us and and evolve in multitude of, uh, of angles yes <clears throat> yeah i i agree i i feel um that are you familiar with the kabbalah tree yes that um so you know that's the the image of the sephirot it's, it's like the tree with all the different um, levels going back to the one that's this kind of uh, the Kabbalah is you know associated with the Hebrew tradition but it's actually much more ancient than that and um, but you know it's it's kind of like a multi-dimensional map and and they're like you are here is kind of uh, on the map in the earth plane is called Malkuth which uh, which uh, is basically uh, the bottom of the tree <laughs> so you had a map of the universe and it said you are here and you see all these different levels we're right at the bottom and um it was a bottom like i said there's only up and down in the 3d language where there's time and space and now you know the new physics is saying well time and space are actually one dimension <laughs> and they're actually two sides of the same coin so you can't then space time and time space might like you know when you die you go to time space and we're in space time and so there's a whole lot of stuff happening in physics but the language of the the model of where we are is pretty humbling um and i kind of think about about it as like spiritual kindergarten and the goal just like any school system is to keep going you know you go from kindergarten you go to first grade you know we have school systems the universe has school systems it's like it's all just one learning we're all here to just learn and i think when you start to understand 
kind of the rules of or the, the curriculum of the plane you're in, then you get to graduate. Doesn't mean you necessarily stop existing. I think at some point we merge back into the one and we don't come back into any kind of form, even as an angel or an archangel or the archai or all the levels. We, you know, here we are in a human, but there's so many other levels. But one thing I, I think is possible that we're facing as humanity is this time of potential graduation for souls that maybe we went all the way around the great year. And as I was mentioning with astrology is like all of the different astrological signs, which are just different vibrational imprints of a time of the 25,950 year cycle of our solar system and our planets circle around the center of the galaxy. That's a great year. And as it goes through the great year, we have 12 sectors that we call ages that are the zodiac, the signs of the zodiac. But it's all the way, you go all the way around till you get to Aquarius, where we are now, and it's a human form. And all of the other signs are um, animals, except, you know, Gemini can be portrayed as twins or the pillars. So that's one exception is the Gemini, which is the Her uh, Hermes or the Toth lineage of he's Mercury rules Gemini. But uh, aside from that sign, I, I thought, well, maybe it's like the Mayans were tracking these huge cycles, you know, everyone's talking about 2012, but it's, it's really, they never said it would be on that date. It was more like, like a due date, like the Zulk in the center of the Mayan calendar. And time is a frequency. It's all vibrational, you know, waves of uh, time and space moving through space creates time. And the center of their calendar, the Zulk, is based on the nine month cycle, which is a birthing cycle. And nine is this recurring number in music, in tuning. So we talk about the 432 tuning, which is all has all these nines related, all these ancient sites and time itself and free energy and cycles, right? So nine. So when we get to the time we're in that the Mayans were calculating, probably like a due date, you know, like like maybe this is a, my interpretation um, is like a birth time, a birth of a species to its next octave of its evolution. I think we might be in the birth canal right now of, of a, we might've gone all the way around incarnating for, you know, group, a group of us, like a lot of us, maybe it's not everyone on the planet. There do seem to be like some young souls on the planet that are newbies. You know, like I don't relate to a number of the humans on the planet, but it's not hierarchy. It's just young tree, little tree. We're all in the forest here, you know, but if there's some of us that have been around a while and now we're at a time where we enter the birth canal because of we're entering the age of Aquarius and it's, it's about we, the people, a collective mind going back to the Kabbalah tree. It's like, we might have the opportunity to go up a rung, like go through the center the center of the Kabbalah tree is like the Shashumna. And that was part of the Hermes lineage teaching to my understanding of the Caduceus. You know, he's holding this staff. It's the teaching of how to use your Kundalini and your energy to raise your consciousness for to the crown so you can have these transcendental experiences and maybe even attain self-realization, which to me is about 
we go up the ladder, whether it's as an individual or a collective. So the vision I hold is because the age of Aquarius, and there's a lot of us that are maybe on the edge, like we're, we want some new lessons. I'm tired of flunking kindergarten. That's all I have to say. And if that means we can help each other, we, the people, help each other by connecting our collective mind, you have to make your ego thin enough to do that. Doesn't mean you lose identity. You know, the way bees are, the way ants are, the way schools of fish, schools of birds, they all have personalities and identities if you get to know them. But they also operate like the mind of Gaia, the planet is very symbiotic. And I think it's waiting for us as a species to, as humans, to enter into that collective symbiotic frequency, kind of like in the movie Avatar, if you ever saw that movie, that's like the turning point of that planet Pandora, which is like Earth, we virus like they did, you know, it was the humans coming to take and exploit. And they did this, something happened and they became symbiotic on a new level with the life of that planet. And I feel that that's a really good model for us at this time, that the, the beings that are here, it's time for them to go. And it's time for us to evolve. It's called like Childhood's End. I don't know if you ever heard of this book by Arthur C. Clarke. Um, I did not like the miniseries they did on it. They distorted the message greatly. But the book was incredible. And I think it was very um, prophetic. Even just the title, Childhood's End, of you know, the birth of a new era of a species on a planet and the extraterrestrial beings that have been involved in kind of instigating that. Um, I think it's a very organic process. I still feel the matrix of matter, mother matrix, this word is, um, it's, it's very feminine. It's not female, it's feminine, you know, like, like the, Pista Sophia story or the Persephone, it's, that's each of our soul coming down into the world of the underworld. This is the underworld. It's not after you die. This is it, according to the ancients. Getting the lessons or Alice in Wonderland down the rabbit hole, right? Mm-hmm. And we are in the upside down world, right? And then us, our work is to return like the hero's journey through the, in the belly of the whale, go down into the underworld then return as the king the queen the the hero you know that is the template of our journey on the earth plane i think individually and collectively yes and i I agree that we have to integrate our energy or um, balance and reassess our energy um, and our uh, capabilities uh, with the energy of, of the earth um, otherwise, uh, being out of sync is not uh, the way to go um, forward. And as you said, Earth is going through the changes right now, energy changes, uh, weaker electromagnetic field, and that affects us regardless if we want or not. It's, it's, I don't know if we can protect ourselves in any way. We have to adjust. We have to go with the flow of Mother Earth. Um, so some of us will, will do that, will agree. To, to accept such transformation, others will not. So we'll see what the, the result will be. And, um, you know, uh, when I started to study the pineal gland, which um, is 
you know, associated with the Ajna or the third eye and the crown chakra. Well, there's a pituitary, there's this whole thing going on with the higher centers. When we raise our Kundalini and we start to open our consciousness to the higher realms, um, that, you know, inside the pineal gland are these little magnetic um, elements that if the pineal gland is not calcified, which unfortunately a lot of people have calcification or growth of these crystals because a lot of it's because of the fluoride in the water, which is a rat poison, doesn't help with the teeth. There's no evidence showing that fluoride is anything but toxic, does not help with tooth enamel, um, but it's in our water supply and it's calcifying people's pineal gland, which sound can help. There's methods to um, help get those little magnetic um, crystals moving again. But the, the, what I think is interesting about that is in birds, they also, all animals have a pineal gland. Amphibians, birds have it. They also have these magnetic elements. And when they're flying across, like some migrate across, you know, thousands of miles, and they're using their pineal gland to navigate because basically those little magnetic crystals are aligning with the magnetic field of the earth. And that helps them to know where they're going on this totally subconscious intuitive level. But we also have that too. But what's interesting that I've thought about often is my personal theory, but since I had this near death experience and, and I've looked a lot into what happens when we die. So when your heart stops, your heart is, in involved in creating your personal magnetic field and when your heart stops beating your magnetic field drops same with the earth right now we're going through the magnetic field hasn't dropped because apparently it can do that right before it reverses itself and who knows what will happen then or it's happened before it's documented in the magnetic flows of lava over time so we're going through changes in the magnetic field, but what what happens when the those when your your heart stops beating, your magnetic field drops, and those little crystals in your pineal gland are not orienting anymore because that's what your your field is doing because mm -hmm. they're magnetic and your field is partly magnetic. And so, and like I said, this is I don't know if anybody's researched this, but there has we do know that when you die your or when you're dying your uh your pineal gland releases dmt which is a potent psychedelic that you can take externally but you we endogenously make dmt and so what happens is you get a flood of it and i think a dmt is um the guy Rick Straussman wrote a book called DMT, the spirit molecule, and it's very fascinating research on it, but it's basically like it, that molecule opens a doorway, the vibration of whatever that geometry of that molecule is opening the doorway to the higher realms. And I've often thought about what would happen on earth to the collective consciousness 
if our planet, which we're all, you know, our heartbeat is in training with the Schumann resonance, within training to the planetary, everything's connected. We're all part of the one life of the Gaian supermind. Whether we're conscious of it or symbiotic with it is another thing. But um, if if that field were to drop, like like a death, like when we die, it's possible that we could have some kind of collective DMT experience because it's theorized that the magnetic field of the earth has an impact on, you know, that the pineal gland because we're aligning with it. And so I know the birds are already showing signs at different times of having trouble navigating and stuff. And so that is theorized that it's in, in related to the shifting of the magnetic field. But I've kind of had a hope that what, what if everybody on the planet were to just have a collective psychedelic experience, you know, just spontaneously all at once, it could shift us into a new octave of consciousness, but in a way that's like wishful thinking, like, you know, the aliens come and save us, you know, <laughs> like, what are we going to do with the mess we're in, you know, and, but it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that um, all the shifts that are happening on the planet are part of what's preparing us for a mass global awakening of some sort of frequency shift. Uh, we do talk about in the sound of creation, um, there are a number of cultures that have just simply disappeared and they were very advanced, um, like the creators of Stonehenge and um, different Mayan celebration, civilizations. They, you know, got to a certain level and they were, advanced spiritually but they also built these massive megaliths that we can't even replicate today so they had technology as well it's just look different from ours i mean we can't even begin to replicate some of the uh stuff our ancient ancestors were doing supposedly with pulleys and ropes which is proven to be completely impossible cannot build a great pyramid even with all the technology that we have today and many other megalithic sites like this mm -hmm. so why did they just disappear you know and it's possible that they reach a certain level a certain vibrational level of their society their collective and they frequency shift like tuning stations on a radio and they become imperceptible to us because we're still on the same station here all of us on earth are at a certain frequency level the consciousness but it's possible that we could as a species go through a frequency shift and that might be what people are talking about the timeline bifurcation that we could be experiencing that has been talked about by dom and her and many others even the hopis had prophecies about what what we're calling timeline bifurcation which is you know bifurcation the fractal bifurcation is how everything operates you know lineages of animals multiplying it's all one becomes two and then each of those branches so this way and time can apparently do that so it's like there maybe there's people that want ai they want to upload themselves into a virtual reality and then there's the people who want this reality of the many worlds that are we've shown in quantum physics exist that is the higher octave of earth where we operate symbiotically with each other, with nature, with animals, with plants, and we are loving it. We're in love. We're sharing resources in a way we have free energy and all the technology we know exists, but has not been allowed to flourish yet. But on this other timeline, 
that's possible. And if we go that way, we could just simply disappear from this other timeline. And they would likewise disappear from us because they're choosing that other reality. And it's all based on frequency. It's not based on judgment or good or bad. It's based on free will choice. We live on a free will planet. And that's the ultimate free will is consciousness, the vibration of how we choose to think and act and the integrity of what we do and therefore what we create. And that's what I'm looking for is to network more and more with people who are building and it's already happening. It's, it's kind of organic, you know, but it's also, we have to do it. We have to be conscious of what we're doing and choose this new earth and just let it be, you know, don't resist the other timeline, let people make their choices, but not buy into it nor judge it because that's a lower frequency vibration on the Kabbalah tree. You know, we're in a place where there's light and there's dark and, and, there's the battery, the yin and yang is the, is the physics of Makut, the earth plane. But on the higher planes, it's like the Tao is the middle, it's the, wa the way of water is the middle way between judging right or good, left or right, good or bad. It's neither, it's both. It's like space and time, they're one dimension. So with the three and four dimensions are one, but then there's the higher, we go to the fifth from here or something, you know, and there's whole different set of teaching. We're not in kindergarten anymore, but we are like babies in a way in a new world. And I'm personally really looking forward to some new lessons, you know, besides like, okay, I don't want to play the game of Republican, Democrat, you know, who's going to vote for who, you know, competition and all the stuff that has ruled us for so many thousands of years. It's just boring. There's no learning left in that for a number of us. The learning is, okay, how do we move to the higher plane so we can move on with our spiritual evolution and keep keep evolving? Yes, and talking about a collective ascension or awakening, um, several years ago, I, I wrote my first book and it was all about this. What will happen if God will call all the souls back? How we how he will do that. And he will do that through sound. He will do that through uh, the power of the heart and um, the will of the people asking to, even, even if they were believing or not, but they were intuitively asking for that type of divine intervention. And God took all of them up. So this was my, my first book with an idea from like 30 years ago. And uh, it was kind of a premonition because I think right now we are going through, through this process. Uh, <clears throat> how cool it is for you to sing or to not sing, play a crystal didgeridoo. I'm very interested to, to find out. I have one here. I don't know if you want to see it. Um, oh, but, yes, uh, you want me to, you want me to yeah, grab please, it? Please, yes. Okay. You won't see the whole thing. It's kind of big, but oh. wow, cool. That's all of life. Yes, <clears throat> nice. I heard you play both types, the wooden one and the crystal. 
How yeah. do you find the, the difference in sound? Well, I so I've been playing, I was first introduced to the didgeridoo when I was in Arizona by in 1992, right after my near-death experience. Um, it, and it became like my everything. I was like, nothing makes sense, but that sound. And I'm just going to play that thing as much as I can. It was my grounding rod. Um, and now I understand why it took some time to integrate. But uh, I was playing the agave ones. So they were made by a local man who was one of the first, probably the first didgeridoo maker in the United States, Alan Shockley. Um, he passed a couple of years ago but um, became my dear friend and mentor. And they were made out of, you know, didgeridoos can be made out of anything. Um, the traditional ones are made out of um, eucalyptus and they were carved out by termites. But I think didgeridoos, no one I knew, I had never seen a didgeridoo in 1992. And now they're just everywhere. You know, didgeridoo is a household word. And so I think, the termites can't eat fast enough to supply all the eucalyptus ones from Australia. So people are making them out of clay, out of bamboo, um, uh, different kinds of hardwoods. Um, and so the agave ones I liked because my style from, the, I think when we play the didgeridoo, it's really one note and it's your breath and your spirit. And in every culture except English, uh, the word for breath and word for spirit is the same word. So, and it's interesting, I moved to Hawaii to study acupuncture and then I learned about some of their language. Um, this was in 1995 and uh, they call us white people haole, but it's really haole, ha, ha is the breath and ole means without. So it's kind of a derogatory term, but we did, you know, where, you know, they're a illegally occupied territory, Hawaiian mm -hmm. Islands. So they are not happy with a lot of us, you know, people, but, you know, that's happened all over Native Americans and the Aboriginals and stuff. But I realized when I started playing the didgeridoo that I wasn't, I did not know how to breathe. And I realized I'm a very shallow breather. And I, now I've come to understand that that's just the way we all are. It's like our culture, the uh, at least in America, but not the indigenous people, like, you know, the aloha means in the spirit of the breath of life, you know, that's how they live. And you, just, you know, but we we're so shallow. And so as I started to learn, open my chakras by playing, especially the throat chakra, which opened my um, third ear, I call it to hear higher sounds. Um, the whole chakra system is affected by playing the didgeridoo, but my personal style, because as I was saying, your breath is you incarnated. So that's your link to your personal vibration. So when you play the didge, which is one note, I mean, I'm trained in classical piano for years, went to music school, everything, but you're reading music, you know, and it's complex and you're using your brain and you have to get training and silver flute and all that. But the didge is like, you could say it's a musical instrument, but really I consider it an amplification of your spirit in, in a way that you can hear it. And it's a biofeedback tool for hearing how well your spirit is moving through the vehicle of your body. And that's why over time, the sound gets clearer. It gets more refined. The use of your breath gets more it's the ultimate pranayama, which is the basis of all the Vedic yogic teachings. It's how you use your breath, how you can modify it to um, 
do many things, including accelerate your spiritual evolution. So when from the beginning, my since it came out of a near-death experience that I got interested, just synchronicity, the way it came in my life and everything and me learning to play it was, I must have a parallel or past life with these people, the aboriginals, oldest living culture on the planet and, you know, the stewards of the planet, very, um, very deeply spiritually rooted culture. Um, I always like to focus in on the harmonics because to me, there's the fundamental tone, which is based on the length and the diameter. It's just, there's physics to that. And then on top of the fundamental tone, there's an infinite number of harmonics, which, and I had, um, in, in high school, I had studied philosophy. I've been a philosopher my whole life. I always loved, that was my favorite class. I had a great um, advanced um, philosophy teacher um, that I, that really imprinted me in um, high school. And uh, one of the things that I learned was Socrates and Plato and this whole lineage of hermetic teachings that I feel I'm part of this lineage. Um, Socrates um, said that, or and Plato, Pythagoras, these people, they said, if you study the monochord, you'll discover the secrets of creation. And I had this dream shortly after the digit came into my life. And that phase came back from high school. Now I'm in college or I just was graduating. And I was like, the didgeridoo is a monochord. And the monochord is one note. And it, in the models that the Pythagoreans were using was like one string, like a fret, like a guitar has frets. And there's just one string with two, you know, and how long the string is going to determine the note. But it doesn't really matter what note it is. The fact that it's one note it could be A, it could be B, C, any of the, any, any note in the whole infinite scale. Hmm. But as soon as you start to divide it, then you've got music, then you've got harmonics. So the fundamental tone is a monochord. And that's what didgeridoo is. It's like one note, it's, it's, but it's played with your breath instead of a string. It's got, this is one fret, and this is the other. And what goes between it is, is your breath. So it's a monochord of your spirit, which is, oh my God, like there's nothing more profound because, you know, if you study the monochord, and it's will teach you this the secrets of creation. Well, here you are in school, you know, studying the monochord of your own personal spirit, and you can hear audibly. And I can't say enough about this as a self-healing tool. Um, it's taught me so many things, and I feel that the sound that it connects you to is that om that the Vedics talked about, the om, the om. It's, it is that sound. And it's the sound that uh, since July 4th, 2014, I hear constantly. I mean, it got triggered by an event with this Indian man I was working with and we were doing an exchange. And that's underlying the sound of creation that the series is. You can, at some point, you'll start to perceive the sound or you call it the background radiation, they say in modern physics, there's a vibration underlying everything. And I think the one of the ways to tap into it is through playing the didgeridoo, because the monochord is the aum. It's the sound of creation that's going all the time. And it's out of which the matrix of this reality, the hologram of this world emerges. And this, this hologram is much more fluid than we've been taught. You know, that, that, and that's why the importance of remembering the power we have 
individually and collectively as creators. This is much more fluid reality. And that if we can remember these simple teachings that were the hermetic lineage and using these simple tools. And to me, the didgeridoo is just a teacher. And so when I, it's a long answer to your question, but when I play the, the, the wooden one, it's like, I always was going for the harmonics. So you got the fundamental and then you got the harmonics and in the harmonics, there's so much going on. And I think of the body is like the fundamental tone. And then all your koshas, your, your subtle bodies are like the harmonics of you, our emotional body, mental body, etheric body, astral body. You know, there's all these layers that have been outlined and documented by a number of esoteric cultures that track and know how to, you know, quantify them. Even there's whole science of the subtle bodies. To me, those are the harmonics. So as you're playing and you're learning how to use the breath and tune into the universal alm, your chakras moves it's like the shashimna i also think of this as like mm. the shashimna right this is your central channel your spine and then you know the ida and pingala like the hermes rod with the two snakes that's your your two um channels that are your kundalini that you learn how to move through your mm. body and and ultimately you know master that and so that you can explore the higher realms and eventually at death or before you can graduate up you know through the central channel to the higher worlds and so the crystal when i um developed this um the first models were made i was touring with uh, crystal tones and dr weil he was doing um his spontaneous healing tour and i had been working with him we did some productions together and he asked me to do the music for his uh, tour of this new book, Spontaneous Healing, which is an amazing study of spontaneous remission of end stage cancer of multiple people and, and the miracle of that and how that came about. But um, I was touring with him in Crystal Tones, and at that time I was playing the Agave Digis and the Crystal Bowls. And um, Crystal Tones make these Crystal Bowls that I've been using for 30 years. And so we just started working on a model of a Crystal Didgeridoo to play with the crystal bowls. And then they standardized one based on the measurements of my wooden ones. Um, and then I went off and developed one because there was a place locally that could make these out of, I tried them out of glass or Pyrex and they don't sound the same. The crystal has a much longer resonance. Like if you hit, hit it, it kind of has that ring. And so when you play it, it has much more resonance because it's crystal. and thousands of degrees temperature to make these versus the, the glass ones, the Pyrex. Um, but I like a really small mouthpiece. So I went and I had, uh, and the ones that the tons were making, they were making like a big mouthpiece because most people like a big mouthpiece, but I can't get the harmonics that I'm looking for if the mouthpiece is too big. And then, so I just designed, you know, some uh, engravings and, and stuff. And I have a few different models that I made locally, but that's the progression of it. And now it's kind of my, my favorite form. I do play my uh, medicine pipe, which is still, it's a spiral long agave one. That's my favorite agave pipe, but the, the courts has so much more ability to, in the style that I personally play, uh, that it's tuning into those harmonics 
And there's so much more that you can do if you have not only the vocalizations and the tongue placement, but the harmonics on top of it. Like the, have you heard the Tuvan throat singers? No. Um, they're from uh, Tuva and they do this overtone singing with their mouth. Mm. It sounds like, you know, a hum. And then there's this whistle playing on top of it. It's based on the placement of the tongue. And so it's kind of like the didgeridoos is kind of similar to what they're doing, but it's being amplified by the, the megaphone of the pipe. Mm-hmm. And so there's just so much more diversity in what you can do with the sounds there. Mm. You mentioned the ohm sound and I know in uh, Kriya Yoga, there is a technique uh, where you can in time hear this this sound. Um, there are any other techniques which uh, you mentioned that um, are in episode nine and ten um, that you encountered during your research? Uh, to be able to perceive the uh, sound. The own sound, yes. Um, hmm, I did not go into that because. I mean, if we do a, a season two, I would like to go into that much more deeply because in all the years that I've been studying sound, to me, this has become the most fascinating because I think that if you're on the path of a musician, but using it for a spiritual context, not for performance, not for per se money or status or anything, just music as a discipline, a spiritual discipline, it'll get you eventually all these paths lead to the same goal, which is some aspect of the sound current and how to merge back into it. And um, there are many techniques for that. And um, we did not go into them because they didn't want, um, when I was working with, you know, the team and like, cause you know, they want it to be not too esoteric when at least the first season, um, because you, you need to build a foundation and there's just so much foundation to be built and you have so much 30 minute episode to cover this vast topic, whether it's the, the building of the megaliths or, you know, the, the harmony of the spheres and the planetary sounds or use for healing each episode had, but I really wanted to do a whole lot more on how to perceive the sound, the techniques. Um, but it's probably a little preliminary to do. Um, I believe that um, from my own personal experience, I have found some books, there's not many that teach how to work with the sound and how to learn to perceive it. Um, And I could, um, if you want, you know, we can list them in the interview, some of the rec, some of the best books that are, I mean, it took me, it wasn't just like easy to find this but a couple of them were like this is so incredibly helpful and it's a little hard to explain because it's it's a lot mm-hmm. in in you know bringing you on this road but you know there's a few chapters in this one particular book that's probably the most useful i've found as far as how to perceive it and then what to do with it because <laughs> that's the even more because a lot of people are starting to perceive um um the sound of creation spontaneously and then, of course, you know, our culture and many cultures at this time, they'll pathologize any signs of spiritual awakening. So, you know, it's discounted or it's medicated or it's put in a box with a diagnosis. And I think a lot of what we call tinnitus or tinnitus 
that are happening more like you know i mean it could be like if you're in a war or some bomb goes off in your ear next to you and then all of a sudden you're hearing this sound that's just because it damaged something and i don't know that's one thing but if you start to spontaneously hear it as i did on a deeply seeking spiritual path and associated with a deep meditation with a man from India who knows about the sound current, which I had no clue about. I didn't even know he, what it was when this happened. And that's a different context. And if it gets triggered, even in that context, most people wouldn't know what to do. Even like me, who has been a seeker since my near death, I, I mean, it was a little disturbing because I was like, I can't think about anything else than this sound happening. And it was up and I mean, I knew it was something important, but I had no tools to deal with it. And so that's, I think more than teaching people how to hear it. I sense that because we're in a time of a frequency shift, that that part is going to be not as crucial as what do you do when you start to hear it? Because a lot of people, if you just instruct them to just go into a meditative state and listen, and they're, they're in a quiet room and they know how to get in, you know, out of their mind and drop in their heart and, and just breathe, um, they'll start hearing it. The thing is, it may not get triggered to be able to hear it all the time, which is one of the techniques and one of the uses for it is to learn how to remain constantly connected to the sound eventually even while you're sleeping which is a very advanced level i only did that once <laughs> and uh, i'm still working on lucid dreaming and that doesn't happen that much i don't know if i've got pineal gland calcification but you know being conscious in your dreams is really important for spiritual evolution it's really helpful and so being aware of the sound current it's hard enough once you start hearing it to hear it while you're talking to someone while you're eating while you're working while you're doing dishes while you're whatever all day because what it's doing is in training your consciousness to a frequency of your higher self which ultimately your higher self is an uh, an overtone or a, a harmonic of the creator because everything is a fractal of the one creator brahma they call it in in the nada brahma means the world is sound the world brahma is the world and nada is the sound and that's like this vedic thousands of years old tradition of like describing the universe it's brahma it's like a body and we are a fractal of that we're probably like you know our whole planet is probably a cell in the body of brahma or an electron you know i mean that's how vast it is but it doesn't matter it's all holographic so it doesn't mean oh we're it means it's the same pattern on infinitely repeating scales so you are brahma and i am brahma and and everybody is 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 the one universe because it's a holographic. And if we study, that should be the new science of teaching kids. Fractals, chaos, holographic reality. This is how the universe works. And it means we're everything and we're nothing at the same time. You know, it's very humbling. But, you know, if you get caught up in the I am God thing, then you're missing the point, you know, which is a danger on the spiritual path. People start to realize their spiritual power, but they forget that, Everyone is that too, everyone. Yes. And that, you know, if you remember that you can't get full yourself <laughs> because you're no better than anyone else. 
that's what I think the age of Aquarius is. We, the people, we recognize we're all cells in the body of a larger being. And let's start to act that way. We're going to have so much more fun than this game of pretending you're less than or better than someone else or competing with them. Or, you know, it, it's just such a boring old game, the competition separation mindset that I think a lot of people like myself are just kind of over it, you know, and want new lessons. And, and that's my goal is to just be the change, be that frequency. And each one of us that holds that frequency of consciousness without judging, without pushing away or grasping onto that's the Buddhist teaching, right? It's just that middle place of like, I am creator. We're all creator. Let's remember that and build a beautiful world. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what is the wisdom? Uh, and for people to uh, who want to get more into your work and your music and um, workshops, they can visit uh, your website, correct? Yeah, that'd probably be the best way. Yeah. Perfect. And um, thank you very much for uh, being with me today. I, I really enjoyed uh, the conversation. And I will finish the uh, Sound of Creation series for sure. And I will promote it as much as possible because uh, people will, will learn from it. I, I, I can vouch. So uh, they will learn from it for sure. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to connect with you and to share with you. And thank you for inviting me. Thank you. And uh, to my guests, thank you, for my viewers. Thank you for uh, watching. Share it, like it. Um, get a free copy of my book when you visit my website. Promote me, uh, support me on patreon.com. And until next time, love and gratitude.